Welcome to the Dynasty Force Podcast with your hosts, Billy Brisbane and Robert Mantuano. And welcome in, everyone. Welcome back to the amazing, incredible, and always entertaining Dynasty Force Podcast here, as always, with my incredibly fruitful and rich, uh, based on your house in the background, Billy Brisbane at Getting Bills on Twitter. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Just got the athletics and Nashers game going on. Feels like a nice fall day with some MLB baseball going on during the day. How about you, Rob? How's your Wednesday going? Uh, I can't complain. Actually, I can complain because I went to the to get some bagels because we were out of bagels this morning. Come home, find out we had bagels. So I just wasted money. So anyway, even worse, at the store, they didn't have bagels. But I didn't want to go home empty-handed, especially since like in the morning all I eat is bagels, really. It's, it's more convenient for me. Um, so I got the much inferior uh, mini bagels, which was all they had. <laughs> and... Um, Yes, now that I found out that we have bagels here, the mini bagels are likely uh, going to be trashed. So, <laughs> uh, essentially, throw out a dollar and a half. But, hey, I mean, at least it, it was only a dollar fifty. Uh, save a lot. Has, has some has some deals, I guess. Uh, one thing one thing I can say, going well. Uh, follow us on Twitter. As always, my Twitter at FantasyForceFB, uh, stats, rankings. I recently, I don't think you can find it anymore because there's so many tweets on my timeline. But I recently put out a thread um, on Evan Ingram, why he may be a fantasy football buy, someone that I'm actively buying in fantasy right now. So uh, if you can, you know, if you have time to go search through my uh, my Twitter and you want to you know, go find that. You can. Uh, I have my. Where will we... so you'll find this on FFB Forecast um, at FFB Forecasters, I believe, on Twitter. You can find this as well. But it's my recent article on value players that you can buy now for the upcoming four weeks of fantasy football. Uh, Billy, I don't know if you remember the first article I made to begin the season. Uh, but it was really bad. So uh, he was not on there. But um, the two wide receivers I mentioned were Deshaun Jackson and Christian Kirk. <laughs> give you a little uh, a little sneak peek. Uh, the whole the whole thing. I don't think there was a single player on it who who actually returned value, and they were value players to begin with. So it was really really bad. But if that same thing happens with this one. I will be very shocked. So you can check that out at ffbforecast.com. And again, uh, my matchup thread will likely be coming out tomorrow. I put that out each week. So the matchup breakdowns also on ffbforecast.com. And then the matchup thread is normally posted to my Twitter. Normally pin that. Bill, what do you got going on in your Twitter? I got bets going on every day. Um, whether if it's uh, tennis, MLB, basketball, it doesn't really matter. Um, I always tell people, make sure you follow me over on Twitter, 
because I retweet a lot of handicappers out there. So uh, not only my picks, but I retweet their picks as well. So it gives you a good synopsis of uh, what the bet for the day and stuff like that. But um, parlay bill, keep those parlays going. Make sure you tail those NBA ones because I've been rocking these uh, NBA finals when it comes to parlays. Lakers and five, right? Lakers or are you saying six? Lakers and five. You know how I'm coming. Yeah. LA Braun, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been relentless so far. Um, yeah, he's about to go home and breathe. Uh, he's beat the hell out of <laughs> oh, man. Um, All right, let's let's introduce our guest for this evening, uh, the one, the only, and the ever so talented Marvin Eloquin uh, at ff underscore Marvin E on Twitter. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to talk some week four and week five football with you guys. Yeah, definitely. Like you were kind of on my short list of people that I wanted to have onto the podcast because I, I mean, you put out great content and it's just nice to be able to have someone come on that like, you know, that they know what they're talking about and it's more than just, you know, like, plain and simple like okay i'm ranking this person here because he has a great matchup you know like there there's so many numbers to go along with each of these little things you know like okay i mean just off the top of my head uh dak prescott is leading the league in passing yards so you should play him you know but then like (laughs) i mean obviously like not everyone's gonna be like that but um, again, I, I know that you're going to bring some, uh, some fascinating, uh, ideas and, and stats that you've found on your own to the table. So glad to have you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm just, uh, really, really fortunate and, and thankful to be here. So looking forward to it. Uh, since we didn't ask you, how is your day going? It's going well, you know, it's, uh, end of the day, um, got done with work. So, uh, you know, I can't imagine a better way to, to end the day than uh, talking football with, with, uh, with you two, um, the boys, (laughs) even though it's not Saturday. All right, (laughs) let's talk football then let's get into our icebreaker. So this week, um, (laughs) who, uh, Kenyon Drake, uh, matched up in arguably the best matchup in fantasy football for running backs, the Carolina Panthers, who were 32nd in the league uh, at defending the running back position in fantasy football last year, uh, 31st to this point this year. Uh, Kenyon Drake did absolutely nothing like he has done all season. So this this is a, a tough question a tough, uh, tough situation where we have to um, have to have to uh, address. I'm sorry, I was thrown off because our our loyal commenter, Detroit BC. Hey, Detroit hey, guys. Uh, sadly, <laughs> can't see those emojis, but I'm trading for Drake. So it's great to know uh, that Detroit BC is here and kind. Um, stay the course. I love the the idea, and obviously, shout out Chris. Uh, we will have him on the podcast next week. So that's going to be exciting to get him back on here. Um, but anyway, on on the topic of Kenyon Drake, 
yes, stay the course because he's getting so much work, but then, you know, you want to see him perform in a plus matchup. So first, I'm going to have Billy talk about this. But while Billy is talking about Kenyon Drake, I have a bet to pay back to Billy. Uh, last week on the podcast, we made a bet. Uh, TJ Hawkinson versus Mike Gesicki. And de- hold on. Before we keep going, Detroit Beastie saying Mixon was a bum and finally had a great week four. Drake is up next. Promise. I agree with you. But before we get into all that. Chris, what are you looking at my notes? <laughs> <laughs> um. I have a bet to pay back for Billy because we made a TJ Hawkinson versus Mike Gesicki bet for week uh, four. And I really did not expect this to be as bad of a bet as it was. Mike Gesicki ended with one catch for 15 yards. And Billy and or Billy had TJ Hawkinson, who finished with two for nine. However, Hawkinson did catch the touchdown. So Billy did win this bet. And... Uh, I have a nice little, uh, <laughs> nice little payback to give him here on this episode. So you'll see me uh, talking that as Billy's talking and Detroit Beastie commenting once more. I have notebooks older than you, Billy. Don't play. <laughs> I believe that. If you've seen his notebooks, they are packed, and I believe that. So, uh, Billy, do you want to read the notes that he uh, he has basically copied from you? Um, these are kind of. This is the quick question. Uh, what are we doing with Kenyon Drake? What are we not doing with Kenyon Drake? We drafted him before the season. We, If you didn't draft him before the season, trade for him now. Um, it's not really time to panic right now. A little bit before the season, I was a little bit concerned about Chase Edmonds' usage in the passing game, which is still a concern. But uh, Ito Benjamin being out right now, it's really just going to be Drake and Edmonds, and Drake has a nice little – upcoming schedule ahead uh let me find it real quick i know they um, play the jets this week and then uh i looks i forget who they play the next week but then seattle and then a bye so yeah uh, i got you let me pull up i got the schedule right here because i have jerk on all my teams um it goes new york dallas seattle by miami buffalo seattle and those are all great matchups um not really on paper, but once you get into the game totals and stuff like that for Vegas, they're going to be one of the higher point totals of the week. So Drake's going to eventually find his way inside the end zone. The only thing that concerns me about Drake was that he hasn't yet to reach three targets or receptions yet this year. And you know how I am with the running backs to get past catching work. So yeah. until that gets fully around, that's when I'll fully be on board. But I still think that Drake will be a good uh, RB2. How about you, uh, uh, Marvin? Before Marvin comments, real quick, got a comment from, from Trey at FS. What up, Trey? Guru on Twitter, uh, commenting mm-hmm. from the Fantasy Football Forecast uh, account. Keep killing it, guys. Excuse me. Love the parlays, Bill. Uh, keep or buy Kenyon Drake is what yes, Trey is saying. So Trey uh, knows what's up. And before Marvin goes in on uh, Kenyon Drake ideas, Billy, you also have a bet to pay me because last week you did not have the ability to. But the week before, we made a disgusting Corey Davis versus Traquan Smith bet, and I did take the victory on that one. Uh, so for the viewers at home, this is 
so you guys can see that is twisted team in a phone cup. It's so bullshit. Enjoy your uh your twisted tea there. Um Marvin behind the stats. Give me <laughs> give me some info on uh Kenyon Drake. What should we be doing with him? Right. So t- it, it definitely is it has just been disappointing to uh, you know to see what um as, you know what we've seen from him over the first four weeks. Um, you know what everyone knows that he was like the RB three in PPR points per game um, when he was uh, traded to uh, the Cardinals last year. So you know we, we kind of had that same expectation. Um, you know to the season he's getting the workload though. You know he's RB fourteen in total opportunities, so targets and carries. Um, RB seven in carries, but you know uh, Billy already mentioned it. Where where he's lacking is the targets. He's RB fifty eight in targets um, over the first four weeks, which um, is com- if you compare that to Edmonds, Edmonds is RB eleven. So there's that gap right there. His target share is down to four percent, I believe, this season. Last year with uh, the Cardinals, he was at fourteen percent in those um, you know those last uh, few games or the handful of games that he was there. Um, so that's the biggest difference. If they can start throwing the ball to him, which there are some good matchups coming up, I think he can get back. So if there's uh, you know there's a, a fancy manager out there with Drake that's just uh, frustrated and willing to trade him for you know pennies on the dollar. I definitely think it's an opportunity to get him now. Um, but uh, you know it's it hasn't been encouraging what we've seen. I think he's better better than what we've seen so far. We definitely saw that at the end of last year too, where he had a couple games where he was you know less than ten PPR points, but then he'd blow up. And I think those games are coming. So uh, go grab him now. I think now's the the cheapest his value is going to be, the lowest it's going to be. So yeah. Yeah, I um, and I mentioned this to you, Marvin, but I just traded for Kenyon Drake in a uh, draft league. I didn't tell you the trade though, and Billy, you haven't heard about this at all. But uh, give me your, your give me your thoughts. I sent away uh, David Montgomery and Zach Ertz to receive Kenyon Drake and Jared Cook. Uh, Marvin. I like it. I, I, think I... Uh, <laughs> I also have uh, Evan Ingram, who I do like to. Yeah, I I like his upcoming schedule a lot, so I I feel like I'm just going to be playing the matchup between him and Cook. Yeah, a- absolutely, and especially with Ingram, I think he's he's got a pretty good schedule ahead for the rest of the season, so I, I like that a lot. Um, and I think Kenyon Drake has de- definitely has the higher upside than Montgomery, though I do like Montgomery a ton. So I think you upgraded there at, at running back, and you have you know depth at tight end. So I don't think that's um, you're going to be missing too much there with Ingram. Yeah, Billy, what are your thoughts? The the Philly Philly lover yet Carson Wentz uh, realistic, um, whatever. To be honest with you, the trade was all good until you started. Talking about Jared Cook, fuck Jared Cook. <laughs> Other than that, uh, like I like the idea of the trade. Maybe if like Jared Cook was switched out for like Dalton Schultz or something like that, or like I'm, a low end tight end one or something like that. But dude, starting Jared Cook is like hoping for a touchdown. If you're hoping for a touchdown, you might as well stream the position anyway. And then, uh, especially in redraft leagues, I don't like to roster two tight ends, especially in like, uh, I'm assuming this is an ESPN or NFL.com league, right? It's ESPN. Yeah. So it's like shallower benches. 
So if that's the case in scenario, I definitely don't like the roster two tight ends, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And I understand the reason why you want to get off of Zach Ertz. Uh, I also have Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs on this team. So uh, I felt like, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with the, the three heavy usage running backs there. And um, to, to the point where I can roster two tight ends and, uh, there was another point that I was going to make, but I forgot it. So let's just move on here. Uh, I think we've all basically said that we're buying Kenyon Drake right now. He's still getting the work. Uh, I, when I looked into it, with this Cardinals team, as Marvin mentioned, 14 targets share last year. He was getting over five targets a game. He has five targets on the year through four games. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's been a pass-catching specialist throughout his entire career to this point. So I'm banking on that changing, but I'm also banking on him becoming more efficient in the running game because he was very efficient last year. Cliff Kingbury has mentioned that he's got to make some tweaks to the offense. You see, he's seen it become kind of stagnant over the past two weeks. So, you know, I, I think ben, uh, Drake will be a beneficiary of uh, those sort of changes. All right, so let's just head into some news real quick. A lot of big hitting news over the weekend, specifically with uh, the NFL dealing with coronavirus, obviously. I mean, we knew this was going to happen sooner or later. And sadly, it is happening too much now. Uh, So basically, you know, Tennessee, as you know, they were testing positive throughout the week last week. They had to adjust uh, the NFL schedule a bit to give Tennessee and Pittsburgh a bye last week. And now, you know, offices were about to open today, have the team come back in, practice, um, if everyone had tested negative. But, of course, two Tennessee players tested positive Uh who was it? Stefan. I, I mean, Cam Newton over the weekend tested positive for New England, but just since then, Stefan Gilmore has. And then one player in Las Vegas with the Raiders, they didn't mention. Um, but the one most at risk here is going to be the Titans and the Bills because of the Titans and their, you know, recent history of positive uh, bid. And news came out that the Titans players met on their own and practiced over the week last week when they were told to isolate in order to stop the spread of the virus. So um, a lot of things to to kind of eat up here. Billy, uh, how I don't, I, I don't really even know what my question is besides kind of, you know, what do you think is the best course of action for us as fantasy managers? Well, we talked about this in the beginning of the season about uh, roster depth and construction and stuff like that. In the beginning of the season, we talked about the ability of stacking up on running back. Shouts to Detroit Beastie. He was on one of the shows talking about how the um, handcuff running backs are a little bit higher in value this year with the COVID situations because somebody can catch COVID and be fancy relevant just like that. But um, the biggest thing I would say to the fancy owners that are – navigating through this throughout the season is have contingency plans for every position 
and know who's on the waiver wire at certain times because uh, yesterday or the day before I had a problem with uh, Devontae Adams. It wasn't COVID related, but it was more of a, having a contingency plan of who am I going to start if I get Devontae Adams news if he's out. It's the same exact thing with the COVID situation. Um, make sure you know who's on your waiver wire at all times and always have a short list of waiver wire pickups just in case if some COVID stuff does happen, no matter where you're at, at times, you know how fancy can get. You could be at work, you could be at a family event or something like that. Make sure you always have a short list on your uh, Google app on your cell phone of just having your waiver wires set up. That's usually what I like to do if uh, if this is going to keep on happening for the whole entire year. How are you guys uh, navigating through the COVID situation? I'll ask uh, Marvin specifically first. Yeah, so pretty much uh, much of the same of what you just mentioned is you really have to have uh, backups ready uh, to go and, and plug into your lineups. And I think definitely this this uh, year I've noticed, even in Dynasty, I've been blowing through my, um, you know, your free agent budget yeah, pretty dude, quickly. Blowing through that fast. Exactly. And I, I think it's fine. Go get your guys and and – you know, you might be thinking, well, Brian Hoyer is not a, you know, it's not an attractive name. Like that doesn't uh, sound great. But if you're in a super flex league, especially in Dynasty, he might be there. Go grab him because, you know, you might not, you might be without Ryan Tannehill this week and you might be without Josh Allen if this game gets canceled. So to me, go get your guys and definitely plan ahead. And and uh, even if it's, it's you know, a, a name that just doesn't sound great. If if he Make gets you points, that's, oh, that's better than nothing. Nah, exactly. man, I'm starting uh, Brett Rifkin in one of my... Uh, <laughs> Super flex leagues this week, so there I definitely go. understand what you're saying. So I know you're yeah. hoping that uh, Drew Locke doesn't play. But, yeah. No, please close. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mentioned Kyle Allen. Uh, I believe it was the Fantasy Forecasters Listener League where I went really, really, like, absurdly hard after Kyle Allen, like, unnecessarily hard. But it's a two-quarterback league. And I had Dwayne Haskins as my other starter. And I really, I believe my only other real bench option was Tyrod Taylor. And who knows if Tyrod's really going to even take the job back from Herbert with the way that Herbert's been playing. So um, I had to go hard after Kyle Allen. I also have Alex Smith. So things would have worked out a little better for me as long as I had Kyle Allen. Um yeah, like I said, absurdly, and uh, out of $100, I think it's $100 overall, um, I don't want to say it, but I spent 83 on Kyle Allen. Just, I like <laughs> Alex Smith could take over at any point, but I need Kyle Allen, and uh, mm -hmm. if, he, if he is the starter rest of the season, which, I mean, who knows, mm -hmm. um, it locked up that quarterback position for me and in a two quarterback league. It, that's, that's something that you really need. And, um, no one else put a bid on in for him. So I, I could have gotten him for free. That's the, it's the main, <laughs> that's the main thing, but you know, 83, <sighs> too much. Um, yeah, you need depth and, and you have to be able to adjust last week. I had, Derrick Henry and James Conner on the same roster. Um, I was still able to score 180 points in that league. And that was one of those ESPN leagues where it's one quarterback and just, you know, two, two at each position, the flex. Um, 
luck, yes, but <laughs> depth as well. So definitely, right. uh, definitely helps. Hopefully, um, by the way, real quick, I want to get your guys' thoughts. I saw uh, at Pro Football Doc on Twitter mention um, that like the NFL might force the Titans to forfeit this game because they they blatantly broke uh, the the protocol that they had. Um, would you be surprised to see that, uh, Marvin? Would you be surprised if you know the NFL came out and said, "Hey, Titans, you know you lose this week because you know you blatantly broke our our rules." I I wouldn't be. I think you kind of have to set a precedent to make sure that everyone follows uh, you know the rules and um, you know what one team does or one person does can affect the whole team and then it can f- affect other teams as well. Right. If they, um, if they play that week and, and um, pass on uh, the virus to someone else. So it's, I definitely think they have to be tighter. And, and if it means, you know, uh, disciplining the, the Titans, I don't know what that would even look like. Um, you know, I think you, you, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did it. So, yeah. yeah. Bill, would you be surprised? Um, yeah, I would honestly be surprised because the NFL has done uh, everything in its scenario to, try to get these games going and uh last week it just so happened it just didn't work out but um i feel they like a good pivot last week they really don't have a good pivot this week yeah but i feel like what we think aren't good pivots are going to be good pivots later on like i think this game is probably going to just going to be a either ended up flexed into a different time spot or be played just in a different scenario in a stadium or something like that. But um, I feel like it definitely makes the situation murky with uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee violating the rules. But um, I would say if you have any Tennessee players or any players in this game, just in general, you should, if you have a later waiver wire or waiver wire later on in the week, make sure you have backup plans for those players in those games. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely important. All right. Uh, we'll get into the normal uh, news that we would cover in any other season. Uh, injuries. Nick Chubb, um, six weeks. Uh, I think the uh, prognosis or diagnosis was um, an MR or I'm sorry, MCL sprain. So uh, six weeks. Uh, <laughs> Bill, I saw you pick up the Ernest Johnson in one of our dynasty leagues together. Um how how do you feel about him? Oh man, I love Dearness Johnson. Um, that was one of my favorite pickups this week. It was a pretty shallow week for waiver wire pickups, but it was a really good week for your benches to kind of sw- swap out some players in the beginning of the season. Maybe you drafted or added them after week one, and they just haven't panned out. So I just did a revolving door on my bench, and Dearness Johnson was at the top of the list. Um, I feel like his usage. Um, a lot of people want to say Kareem Hunt is going to be a full bell cow back, but um, in the NFL, you don't ever see somebody just get 100% of the carries, touches, and all that. So I feel like Dearness Johnson is a really good uh, running back in itself. I could show you his player profile, uh, maybe backstage or something like that. He's a really good running back. He showed what he can do in a short amount of touches last week. He had 13 uh, attempts last week for 95 yards and 7.3 yards per carry. And I know that was against Dallas, but um, I think after the Pittsburgh matchup, it should be pretty nice with Cincinnati and Las Vegas going into the bye. Um, who, I'm sorry, Kareem 
this point. I believe he's um, averaging, I want to say, around six, over six yards per carry to this point. I'm going to pull up Kareem Hunt's stats to this point to see exactly what his average is. Um, this season so far, it's 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, the Browns are just running the ball really well right now. So I, I feel like maybe he doesn't get a huge workload, but he can still be efficient with that workload. And you highlighted that with the 7.3 yards per carry this past week. Marvin, um, price check on, on Kareem Hunt and what you kind of expect of him over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think now's not the right time to uh, to trade for Kareem Hunt. I think his value is skyrocketing, you know, as we speak. Uh, but I, I do expect um, both uh, Darius Johnson and Kareem Hunt to be heavily involved. Um, I do give obviously the edge to Kareem Hunt. We've seen him, what he can do, and what's impressive with him is that over, you know, they've played I think twelve games together, him and Nick Chubb, and over those twelve games, he's actually an RB two. Um, so he's been averaging around 14 PPR points per game, which is an RB2 in most leagues. And now that he's going to get some of these, uh, some more touches, more receptions, um, I, I think he could be, he's a solid RB1, even in the tougher matchups, assuming he gets the volume. But then, you know, he's not going to get 100% of that that carry share, uh, like Billy said. So Dernis Johnson, he's going to be involved in what we saw on, um, you know, last week. He looked great. So um, to me, it's, it's, Kareem Hunt, if you drafted him, you know, in a redraft league in what the sixth or seventh round, you're definitely sitting really good right now because you have an RB1 for the next six weeks. Um, you know, hopefully Nick Chubb gets back um, and is back to himself because he's he was having a pretty good season as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, they were both killing it to this point in the season, I believe, that uh, Kareem Hunt is the RB7 and Nick Chubb is the RB8. Yeah, I have that in front of me. So I, it says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on here. Austin Eckler, the other big significant injury, grade two hamstring strain. He's out for six to eight weeks. I'm actually a little more concerned with Eckler because it's a hamstring injury. You know, like when, when Chubb comes back, I'm going to be pretty confident that Chubb is healthy again, but Eckler has that risk of re-injury, the soft tissue, the, you know, the, the re-aggravations over and over again. Like Julio Jones this past week, a piece of information that I didn't put in here, but he re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and he's probably going to be out for a few weeks now. So, Marvin, if you have Austin Eckler in a redraft league, and you may, uh, what are you? I mean, are you just going to sit him on your bench and wait? Are you going to try and get out? I mean, best case scenario, it's going to be November by the time you. Or I'm sorry, mid November maybe even early December by the time you get Austin Eckler back. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm trying to think you were um, heading into week five. So eight weeks, you know, that's, that's pretty close to the fancy playoffs. And uh, I, if I can hold him and I have the depth, I definitely will, you know, you can stash him in, in your IR and hopefully grab someone off waivers. Uh, you can't really trade him. I, I'm not sure if you can maybe package him with with a wide receiver or someone else to get an upgrade or, or one solid starter if you can do that i definitely would but I'm, I'm not sure anyone's necessarily wanting to trade for eckler so I, I think a lot of times you might just be forced to hold on to him which i don't think is a bad thing because um 
it all depends on what we see from Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson here in the next, you know, eight weeks or whatever. Um, but we, what we saw this past week wasn't the greatest. They they weren't the most efficient on the ground and in the passing game. So, uh, you know, if they if they perform well, I'd be a little more worried. But if they continue to struggle, then you know Eckler's going to come back. And and what we've seen from him is is great. Um, but obviously, like you said, the re-injury is a concern. Um, and I'm not even sure when he comes back if I. You know, I guess you would start him because he's he was probably your RB two or your RB one, right? So yeah, um, you're going to be forced to start him and and just hope for the best. Definitely, Bill um, Joshua Kelly, obviously is a guy that you have loved throughout this off season, um, and and like he's the one that's presumably going to take the main role. Uh, how hard would I mean? He's owned in a lot of leagues, but like, what do you what do you kind of think on the value of Joshua Kelly right now? Woo! Let's go. <laughs> Victory lap, Joshua Kelly season. Let me read you off his schedule after this New Orleans game. Um, the Chargers are going to face the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Raiders. Uh, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league. The Dolphins are one of the worst teams in the league. Jacksonville uh, allows the most red zone visits by any team in the league. And the Raiders are the number one team that lets up fancy points for running backs this uh, year so far. So Joshua Kelly going into this bye for the next four weeks, man. I'm telling you, he's going to be a RB1, a Mike Davis type of RB1, Joshua Kelly season. I told you, Rob, all offseason, you were telling me about this guy, Justin Jackson, how he might be in there. I'm scared of Justin Jackson. It's Joshua Kelly season. The shares have paid off. Maybe not the Keyshawn Vaughn shares, even though he was on the field this weekend. I was pretty glad to see that. But Joshua Kelly, if you can get him in your waivers, I would – empty out the fab budget on him. He's going to be a bona fide RB1. If you look at the projections on the different websites, they aren't equating for his opportunity. He's share yet. He might have a bad week this week against New Orleans, but after that, wheels up, Joshua Kelly. How do you feel about that, Marvin? Yeah, definitely. If, if Joshua Kelly's out there, uh, spend all the fab to get him because I think he he will have the opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, it, it in fantasy volume is king and if you're getting 20 touches or 15 to 20 touches i think that's extremely valuable uh the one concern i have with him is looking at some of his metrics he hasn't been the greatest at um necessarily creating for himself the, the yards created per touch is, is slightly lower i think it's 48th among running backs right now um and, and his juke rate is at 43 so some of those things like it's it's not necessarily the end of the world um i think volume will kind of i think sometimes you just need to get ahead of steam and he hasn't always gotten you know um, the consistent touches with Eckler there. So that might change now. And I think we might see a much better running back going forward. Um, but, you know, like you said, volume is everything. So if he's getting the volume and even Justin Jackson, if he's out there, I would put in um, a, a good chunk of uh, of your um, your budget to get him too, because he might be involved and heavily involved and, and that's valuable. Yeah. Uh, good, good points being brought up each way. Um, I've, kind of looked into it a little bit more, and I think Justin Jackson uh, is the most likely to sort of take on the Austin Eckler role. Obviously, he's not Austin Eckler. He's not going to be as good and as utilized as Austin Eckler. Uh, 
Billy, congratulations on uh, on the on the dub. And uh, I know Josh Kelly went pretty late in a lot of rookie drafts. So those people are, yeah, they're they're celebrating who got him uh, in the second round, the late second round of those uh, those rookie drafts in Dynasty mm-hmm. League. So final piece of news. Uh, Kyle Allen is going to be the Redskins starter in week five. And Alex Smith is going to be the backup. So Dwayne Haskins is not going to even get a chance to play. So this is basically the Redskins saying, you're done. We're done with you. Get out of our face. We're going to, you know, kind of just move on completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a few great quarterbacks in this draft class. So if the Redskins can, you know, hashtag, uh, tank for Trevor, tank for Trey Lance, tank for, uh, Justin Fields, you know, whatever works, uh, Martin, theoretical question, who would you like to see most in the Redskins or, or have you kind of, you know, not seen too much of, uh, these three quarterbacks to this point? I I mean, if we could get uh, Trevor Lawrence there, that'd be amazing. I mean, we'd you'd have Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. I mean, all of that would be just fantastic. Um, uh, and I mean, I definitely I definitely think he's the best quarterback in this class. I don't know how uh, you know. There's I don't know if there's going to be a race to that first pick here. Um, you know the the I don't know where which other teams could use quarterbacks. The Jets might need a quarterback. Um, in, uh, depending on how the Panthers do, they they could probably get an upgrade there and and ha- just have an explosive offense. But uh, you know for the you know for Washington, I I would love if Trevor Lawrence was there. If, uh, you know uh, Fields would be great too. I, I think at this point they just need a competent quarterback and and they have so many talented skill players that or they have two really talented skill players in my opinion. Uh, so uh, just get them a quarterback and let them produce. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, for me on Washington side of it, they need some help on offensive line, obviously. Um, they could use a good wide receiver too, maybe like a field stretcher uh, and then corner on defense and obviously quarterback. But mm. outside of this, I feel like Washington has a pretty strong team ahead of them. Billy, as an Eagles fan, will you be scared if the Redskins, or I'm sorry, I don't even know why I put Redskins, because it's the Washington football team, but um, will you be scared if the Washington football team gets a great quarterback out of this upcoming draft? Um, I feel like this move of Kyle Allen, not to really answer your question, I know, um, I feel like the move of Kyle Allen was more of a move to compete for the division because they're tied for first in the division right now and they probably feel that if they can cut down on turnovers they can kind of middle out some of these games and the whoever wins the nfc east this year is only going to be what seven games and the redskins honestly could pull off seven games if you're a redskins uh gm i would think that this move kind of puts you in more of a contention of just getting left turnovers but um I think Lawrence in this situation with uh, Steven Sims and Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, mm-hmm. and the rest of those guys. But um, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, people are kind of getting this one confused. I feel like this one's kind of more of opening up the door for maybe Alex Smith to get some playing time later on in the season. My dynasty shares of Alex Smith would like that. So I'm not going <laughs> to argue. I will take that if it happens. 
<laughs> All right. So we moved past the news. Now it's time to enter the main segment, which is going to be looking ahead to week five, players that we are hype on, players that we hate, heading into the week. Marvin, as our guest, I will allow you to go for first and uh, uh, kind of whoever you want. The, the floor is yours. Just just go ham right now. All right. Uh, so one of the guys that I'm, I'm really excited to see play this week is uh, DJ Moore, uh, Carolina Panthers uh, wide receiver. Um, so we we saw what he could do in week two. That was a great game. But other than that, you know, it's kind of been disappointing. Uh, if you're if you did a dynasty startup, you probably drafted him, you know, close to wide receiver one, uh, likely in that top 10. And you just haven't gotten that. But um, it want, the reasons why I do like uh, DJ Moore is that he's actually um, wide receiver eight and weighted opportunity. So he's getting the air yards. He's getting the targets. Um, the volume would suggest that he should have a really good season. Um, so as long as they that the volume's there, I think it will come together eventually. And his target share of 23% isn't all too far off from what he was averaging last year. So he was at 24% then. Um, so it's not too different. I think it's just the connection between him and Bridgewater uh, just hasn't come together yet. Um, but good thing is he plays the Falcons, right? They play the Falcons this uh, this week, which is an, an awesome matchup, you know, over you know, they, uh, Metcalf had a good game there, 95 yards and one touchdown. Lamb had 106 yards and led that team in receiving. And then Robinson, Allen Robinson, that was his breakout game. This, you know, we were kind of worried about him. And then he came in and had a great game of 123 yards and a touchdown. So I think, uh, you know, the exception was against Green Bay, but they didn't have any wide receivers. So they featured their tight end, right? So Tanyan had three touchdowns there. Um, so to me, I think this is a get-right game for DJ Moore. I think he gets 100 yards or a touchdown or even both. And if he doesn't get either of those, I think it's it's time to get worried. Um, but I expect this to be a high-scoring game. So I really, fingers crossed, I hope he has a good game and, and uh, pulls through for fancy managers this week. Yeah, uh, as you were speaking, um, I, I just kind of thought in my mind, and I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, so this this pains me a little bit. But uh, um, the get right matchup for everyone, essentially. Uh, so you know, it'll uh, it'll it'll have um, it'll it'll make games worth watching. It'll make them exciting because there's going to be a lot of offense, mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of victories. But you know, eh, we'll 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 pray for that another time. Hey, I didn't, um, I, I didn't say the Falcons would lose, though, so they could still win, and Moore could have a great game. So we'll we'll uh, see what happens. <laughs> uh, I've learned on uh, on betting on Falcons wins, it's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not it's not good, even when they uh, they have big leads. So, Billy, <laughs> let's get us off of this topic uh, and and talk about a player on the same team, so that maybe we can actually stay on this topic. Yeah, uh, my quarterback star of the week this week is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, a lot of the things that Marvin said is kind of how I feel. The Falcons have allowed the most points per game to QBs this season at 35.5 fantasy points per game, and they are dealing with major injuries in their secondary. It's going to be hard to decide, in my opinion, to who's the wide receiver number one, but they're both in good matchups this week, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. But um, sometimes in DFS and situations uh, like this, I kind of just like taking the person that is the one that's giving them the ball. Um, my fault, the baseball game thing just 
went off. Um, but overall, Bridgewater's flashed some upside last week. He had 276 passing yards, 32 rushing yards, and three touchdowns against the Cardinals. Uh, in 12 to 14 team leagues, I feel like he's a perfect streaming quarterback if you're dealing with injuries, COVID, or just bye weeks in general. I know some people are going to miss out on Stafford and Rodgers this week. Um, but I do really like Teddy Bridgewater. If you're playing DFS this week, I think he's going to be probably the second or most uh, highest owned quarterback this week. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And um, yeah, Teddy, I, I, I think I'm streaming Teddy in the league where I was owning Stafford. I just, you know, swapped them out. So I like the play on my end. For my uh, first player that I'm hype on this week, it's going to be Antonio Gibson running back for the Washington football team. Uh, this week they play the Los Angeles Rams, which isn't a great matchup per se, but uh, last year we saw Kyle Allen feed Christian McCaffrey in the passing game, and Kyle Allen obviously now taking over as starter for the Washington football team. Antonio Gibson was seemingly finally unleashed last week in the passing game. Uh, I believe he had six receptions off the top of my head. I'm checking that now. Um, uh, I'm not checking that now. But um, I, it, it was a good week for Antonio Gibson in the passing game. Um, he did have four receptions, five targets. So, And, and he came through with a, a 40-yard reception in that as well. So he has that ability to have those breakaway plays. Uh, if Washington is going to win this game, they're going to have to be creative. Kyle Allen knows the system, which is something that apparently Haskins didn't. And I think Antonio Gibson is a weapon that they can utilize here. And he... I think he'll be the X factor in this game. Like if they want to be competitive, they're going to have to utilize Gibson. Well, give him the opportunity to, you know, be electric in space. Um, let's uh, let me, let me give you guys some, some comparisons here. If you were to decide between Antonio Gibson and let's say someone really, someone around him, um, David Montgomery going up against Tampa this week. Marvin, what are your thoughts? I, I think I lean Gibson there. I think uh, the Tampa matchup would be tough, so probably Gibson. Billy? I would probably lead to David Montgomery. Um, I do like Gibson rest of season, but I don't think this is a good matchup for him this week against the uh, Rams, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't think this is a good matchup for him this week. Um, it's a little bit concerning about his floor. I feel like people are just like penciling Gibson to be like a PPR back. But um, if you really look deeper into the stats, um, his usage is kind of really unpredictable. I think through overtime and his ability of just playing the running back position, I think a lot of people forget if Gibson played running back his whole entire life, it would probably be a different situation where we would see Gibson used 20 to 25 times a week, kind of like how the uh, top tier of the rookie running backs are. But this is his first year playing running back. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a wide receiver his whole entire time at uh, 
in college. So I think it's just time to learn and the coaches to rely on him. And so if Washington's going to score points in this game, it's definitely going to have to come through somebody. And that's probably going to be their second best playmakers, Gibson. Um, how do you feel about that situation, Marvin? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's that's the the only downside with Gibson is really the usage, um, and it, uh, you know, I, I just really wish they would just just give him the workload and let him produce. I, I I definitely agree. He's still raw. I think there's a lot to learn for him. He's, you know, he he only has so many. Um, you know, games under his belt as a running back, right. As a full-time running back. So he'll get better as we go. Um, but I, it, it all depends on also that, that reception floor. If he, if they throw him the ball a little more and, and we saw what he could do, then um, I think I'd feel more comfortable with him. I do agree that I think his upside is really high, but to your point, his floor is, is pretty low as well. If he's still splitting touches with JD McKissick and Peyton Barber comes in every now and then um, it's just, just tough to predict, but I like him as a talent. Um, I definitely think his he's got a, a pretty good rest of season ahead of him. I think by the end of the year, we'll we'll be looking back and, and thinking that he's he was a really good running back for the season. Uh, just a quick highlight: Antonio Gibson. I know the pretty hard catch kind of throws things off, but he has that upside where I kind of lean towards McKissick, not necessarily having as much of an upside to hit those plays, but. Uh, Gibson currently averaging 9.8 yards per target, or I'm sorry, yards per reception, and uh, McKissick is currently averaging uh, 7.1. So, a uh, pretty big difference there. Fingers crossed for rational coaching, and that you know <laughs> they they kind of play the the more electric player in that situation. All right, Marvin, do you want to head in and talk about your second wide receiver uh, for yeah. your uh, for your hype? Yeah, so uh, my second uh, guy on this list is Justin Jefferson. Uh, we kind of we've already seen uh, what what he can do in the last two games here. The the upside is tremendous. I mean, over the last two games, he's a wide receiver one, um, and um, even even if we factor everything in, he's the wide receiver eight in receiving yards, wide receiver eight in yards after the catch. He's the wide receiver one in yards per route run. So he's really efficient with the touches that he's received. Um, and he gets a great matchup here. You know, he's playing against uh, the Seahawks who have allowed, uh, I believe like around 53 points, uh, fancy points and half PPR to wide receivers. So I think this will be an opportunity for both Thielen and for Justin Jefferson to produce. Uh, we know Russ will, will cook and he'll, he'll be uh, scoring and, and they might be playing from behind. And if that's the case, then, um, I think Jefferson will get plenty of opportunity here. Um, and what I love the most is that over the last two games, his snap percentage has continuously risen. So the first two weeks, he didn't, uh, you know, I think he was averaging like 50%, 60%. It's, it's gone up to closer to late, you know, the the, the, the top 70s to the 80s. So um, I think the they're, they're trusting him more. So I'm excited to see what he can do in this good matchup. Marvin, uh, would you rather play Justin Jefferson or Devontae Parker going up against Miami, or I'm sorry, going up against San Francisco? I'd, I'd probably lean Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a tough one. <laughs> yeah, that one is a tough one. Uh, I personally don't know where I would lean, I think, because I, I, I love Jefferson too this week. Um, he was someone that... I was considering when you mentioned him. So um, it's it's hard not to play Parker. But, I mean, mm -hmm. the upside of Jefferson is, is just so exciting. Billy, 
If you were to pick between Justin Jefferson and Devontae Parker, who would you choose? Um, that's a good question. I would probably decide with Devontae Parker just because he's a wide receiver number one on his team. But um, I think Justin Jefferson deservedly show should be ranked in the top 30 wide receivers this week. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, you want to talk about running back? Yeah, um, the running back that I'm going to talk about is more of a uh, more of a conversation for daily fantasy because he's already owned in every league possible. Um, the running back that I'm talking about is rookie Clyde Edwards-Hillard. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie, has been looking absolutely phenomenal for the Chiefs this year with 433 yards and 85 touches this year. His usage in the passing game since week one is what really propels him in the rankings, I feel like, especially this week, being the goal line back for a prolific offense and puts him in the best situation, I feel like, to score fantasy points. Uh, yards per fantasy opportunity. He definitely ranks near the top. Um, he's yet to really have a breakout day so far, but the Raiders defense has allowed the most fantasy points per game to running backs this year. So I definitely see Clyde Edwards-Alaire smashing this week. Make sure you lock him in all your daily fantasy lineups because he will be a top three back this week. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard some kind of... I don't want to say disappointment in Clyde Edwards Hilaire because he's he's been fine. He's the running back thirteen in PPR leagues. So uh, you know, he hasn't been what you drafted him to be, but he's been kind of hitting his floor, I think, over the past four weeks. And now this matchup here, you just kind of see that upside. Um I think there's a legit shot of him finishing as the RB one on the week, and I would have that sort of confidence in him. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, everyone's playing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who has him, and like you said, I think he'll be vastly owned in DFS. Um, I don't know his price tag, but I think a, no matter what it is, a lot of people are going to be willing to play that. So I think uh, this is kind of just that, you know, pat Lock on the butt. Like, yeah, yeah. lock button Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, mm-hmm. This is just a sneak peek of Friday's video over on Pub Sports Radio. For sure. Yeah, and uh, I have another running back to talk about here, and I'll hot head into the James Robinson talk here. Jacksonville going up against Houston, who is another team who has been pretty bad against uh, running backs to this point. James Robinson is kind of like that, I don't know, like should we have confidence in him guy? But to this point, he's the running back six on the season. So, yeah, we, we really should have confidence. He's got the – I mean, he's closest to being, like, a full workload back of any back probably, you know, in, in football right now. And it's really weird because, you know, an undrafted free agent on a team with a terrible defense, subpar offense, below average offensive line, you only see a lot to uh, a lot to like when you look at those metrics – but then Robinson just kind of performs. Like I said, I think they're going to use him a lot this week, and he's going to be in a favorable matchup, and he'll be a key to Jacksonville's attempts at victory. Um, now, James Robinson, like I say, he's the running back six right now, but if you were to compare him to guys around him like you know Ezekiel Elliott, 
you're obviously playing C. Chris Carson, obviously Carson, Kareem Hunt, you know, they're not questions. But, I mean, maybe we should start looking at James Robinson as the, you know, RB, I don't want to say 15 area and guys in that area right now. Maybe David Johnson in the same matchup. Let's go to Marvin. Would you rather play James Robinson against Houston or in the same matchup, David Johnson against Jacksonville? Ooh, that's uh, that's a tough one. Um, I would actually lean James Robinson. Um, it's it's crazy to think that you know we we most people didn't even know who this guy was before um, week one, and and now he's. I, I think he should be in your lineups if you have him. I mean, he's just been fantastic. He. He's what I love about him is he's involved in the receiving game too. I mean, he's RB two in receiving yards. It's it's crazy. That's yeah. that's what you want to see in a running back, and that's perfect. And he's he's creating for himself. He's one of the better uh, you know running backs in yards created. I think he's top fifteen in that metric. Um, and um, what I love is that his opportunity share is one of the best. He's he's getting the carries. He's getting he's getting the workload regardless if they're trailing or not. He's in there, and and I think that that says a lot. So David Johnson, you know, he's. He's great as well. I kind of, I hesitate because of, you know, they, I'd have to pull up his stats, but I don't know if he's always been as efficient. I think he's, he's had a tougher schedule as well. So, mm-hmm. um, um, but I, it's hard to argue with James Robinson. I think you, it, it makes sense to doubt him the first three, four weeks, but I've seen, you know, four weeks of great performances. I think I'm ready to put him in and just lock him in at this point. Yeah. Um, and David Johnson has had a very tough schedule to this point, and I think he's going to have a great opportunity ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm happy to play David Johnson, so don't you know hear me saying something I mean. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would personally be more excited for James Robinson. Bill, your thoughts: James Robinson versus David Johnson in the same matchup this week. Um, I would probably have to go with James Robinson. Um, one of my fan, one of my favorite picks going into the year was Leonard Fournette. Um, and that was just more of the product of Gardner Minshew propelling this offense and just making it run better and being more efficient. And then long term, um, just this team is just really bad on defense. So there's going to be opportunities for them to like really score a lot or just get fancy points. And I feel like James Robinson's game script proof, and that's really what you want to see out of your running backs. It doesn't really matter to match up. Um, he's just kind of really consistent, like uh, Marvin said in the passing game. That's really where you want to highlight his usage so far. So he's everything what we wanted in Leonard Fournette on this side, but just a little bit more at a cheaper cost. Um, hopefully for some of my teams, um, freaking Raquel Armstead, he's been on this COVID. List, bro, for like <laughs> a year now it feels like dude like legit am i right or am i wrong like a week before right. the season remember yeah. when uh he got put on the COVID list i looked it's... at my teams today before waivers and i was like dude this kid is still on the COVID list like what are you doing yeah it's been a month i think it's been yeah, nearly it's over been a month, month. <laughs> yeah i don't know how you keep i i don't even I don't even know what it is. Like, does he keep testing positive or what? Like, how do I'm you about have to check it up on point? it right now? To be honest with you, because he's on one of my teams on the IR for like for mm-hmm. too long now. Like, uh, he's about to either get traded or dropped. Like, it's he's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvin, you want to fi- head into your final player? Another player that I was uh, considering, um, mm-hmm. but 
you know, as our guest, please indulge. <laughs> Uh, so this last guy um, is—it's a tight end, and, and it's Hunter Henry. So I, I really like his uh, matchup here with the Saints. You know they've given up uh, you know, 20.2 half PPR points per game, second most. Um, but what I like about him as well is that ever since Justin Herbert has taken over, you've seen him uh, be heavily involved, right? And so uh, you know, first game with Justin Herbert, he had eight targets, 83 yards, then seven targets, 50 yards. Um, Last week, not the greatest, but still involved. Three targets and 39 yards. Um, but uh, just, you know, you, you combine the the opportunity he's receiving, he's being targeted, plus this great matchup. I think um, he's going to be a great uh, uh, start this week. Um, and, and the thing is, the Saints have given at least one touchdown to the tight end position every single week. So, I, I yeah. uh, you know, Hunter Henry is, a, is a, a red zone guy, and I can't imagine he doesn't finish this game with a touchdown or at least, a, you know, a, a good amount of yards. So um, I definitely think that's going to be a good play for whoever's starting him. What do you guys think? Maybe both. Um, I like Hunter Henry Mm -hmm. a lot this week. Um, I would probably consider him, you know, obviously you have Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, those guys who are definitely Mm going to start, but I would, I would consider Mark Andrews immediately. I'm sorry, not Mark Andrews. I, just said him, but uh, I would Henry. consider Hunter Henry immediately mm-hmm. after those guys because, you know, that's the, like you said, combined the opportunity plus the matchup. Like, mm-hmm. would you rather Hunter Henry or Darren Waller? Whereas Darren Waller is going up against Ooh, the city. Come on, and that's man. a really you scary. You can't compare. That's a really to. scary. I hate to cut you off, Rob, but Darren Waller is about to be a bona fide tight end one this week, right up there at the top with the rest of the guys. No, Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs, he's been absolutely balling. Don't, don't bother. Uh, you, you're not scared of the Kansas City matchup. Not at all, man. They somebody's got to catch passes on this team, and it's going to be Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. If Nelson Aguilar's catching touchdowns for the Raiders, man, there's opportunity to be had on this team. Same exact way how Darren Waller came into the fantasy season last year with uh, the Raiders team being depleted of pass catching options. It's just a revolving wheel door over and over again. Listen, Bill. Not that I don't agree with you. But don't make a bet with week, me about Hunter Emery or Darren Waller, man. Last week, <laughs> not not this past week, but the week before, there was also no weapons for uh, Las Vegas. And I said uh, Darren throw Waller, out the New England game. Why throw it out though if it if it happened and there's no like okay, I, everybody I, I'll just throw out any New bad game. Yeah, no, but everybody knows how New England covers tight ends. And then on top of that, they always take out the best playmaker on the other team. And it was literally him, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Runthrow, and like Zay Jones who got activated. And it was absolutely dog shit of a situation and a scenario. West Coast team going to the East Coast and everything. It's That was not a good spot. I agree, but I question why you doubt the Kansas City defense to perform how they've been performing at least in holding well, I don't I, I just don't think Waller has the upside that Hunter Henry does in this matchup. Dude, that has the second highest total of the week 
Number one's Minnesota Seattle at 57 and a half points. And then the second highest total this week is Raiders and Chiefs 56 and a half. Even though the Chiefs are 14 points favorites, Vegas is basically saying there's going to be points and fantasy points scored in this game. Who the fuck is about to score in the Raiders besides Josh Jacobs, Hunter, and Hunter Renthro? If the Raiders I'm doing do the math achieve this 56 and a half point total, I'm saying do the math right now. If the Raiders hit any of this point total, it's going to have to come through Darren Waller. And there's no way I'm fading the second highest point total game of the week. I didn't say fade. I was just saying upside No, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) Darren Waller is probably, like, my highest owned tight end this week for DFS. Okay. I won't make the bet, but – you know, we have our difference of, of opinions on this on this matter. I would personally rather own Hunter Henry, though. Anywho, Bill, let's head into a different topic, which is your final player that you're uh, that you're hype on this week. Yeah, the final player that I'm hype on this week is Hollywood Brown. I feel like he's the biggest buy low in the fantasy community right now, in my opinion, at the wide receiver position. Marquise Brown ranks number seven in target share at 26.5% with at least six targets in each game so far for the Ravens. Marquise Brown also ranks top five in yards for wide receivers that haven't scored a touchdown yet. The big days are coming for Hollywood Brown, even though the Ravens the Ravens are heavy favorites this week. The game total is currently at 51 and a half points, which is still very high. And I feel like if Marquise Brown can start connecting on these air yards, you're going to really see uh, the type of tier of – if you look at the people that are in the top 10 for target shares this year, um, they're really – consistent wide receivers at the position. And I feel like Marquise Brown's the only one that's really had the outlier of a season. And if he falls into the end zone last week and doesn't fall in the one yard line, we'll be probably talking about Hollywood Brown in a different context this week. Uh, Bill, CD lamb or Hollywood Brown CD lamb against the giants. Um, are we talking about just straight up rankings or who would I play more in DFS? Uh, whichever you'd like. Um, ranking wise, I would probably put Marquise Brown ahead of CD Lamb. But if I had to go DFS wise, uh, the Dallas Cowboys stack was in a millionaire maker lineup last week. So that just shows the upside that you can have with the Dallas stack and just stacking deck Dak Prescott with Amari Cooper. He's been one of the most consistent wide receivers this year with CD Lamb and then running the back, uh, with Darius Slayton is probably the way I'm going to go for some of my single entry teams this week. So if I had to answer DFS wise, I would probably play CD lamb because he correlates more to what I'm doing this week. Uh, Final one. This one, I think kind of interesting, but Hollywood Brown or Robbie Anderson, who's been great so far going up against the Atlanta Falcons this week. Um, I would probably say Hollywood Brown just from the aspect of, of, um, I'm not convinced that Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver one on the Panthers. I kind of like how Marvin bought up his uh, cases for DJ Moore. That's one of the players I was really high on in the beginning of the season. And he hasn't really been disappointing this year. It's just like you got to find chemistry with a new quarterback in a new scenario. And mm-hmm. um, 
I don't, I'm not convinced Robbie Anderson's number one on this team. Uh, numbers would probably say differently, but um, yeah, I would probably go Marquise Brown in that scenario. I feel like Robbie Anderson's more of a wide receiver two that a wide receiver three that has wide receiver two, maybe low end wide receiver one upside certain weeks, but Marquise Brown is actually a wide receiver number one. I agree with that. Marvin, would you take uh, Hollywood in both of those instances? It was CD against mm -hmm. the New York Giants and then uh, Robbie Anderson against the Atlanta Falcons. How would you rank them? So I'd, I guess it always depends on what you need in your lineup, but it, I, you know, I really, really like that matchup for uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. So I lean uh, going with uh, CD Lamb as, as of those three. I think I'd rank him first. Um, and just to me, if in your lineup, if you need someone who's going to be safe and and will get you that that high floor, I think that's what we've seen with CD Lamb. Um, you know, they average uh, so many pass attempts. Like it's there's going to be so much volume available. And and versus the Giants as well, it's a great matchup. So I. I lean C.D. Lamb, but I like Marquise Brown. He'd be second on my list there. Um, I agree that I uh, uh, with with Billy here that I'm not sure if I fully buy in in Robbie Anderson yet. I think he's been great, but what I love about um, Marquise Brown is just the opportunity he's been receiving. He's one of the best uh, receivers in um, or the highest ranked receivers in weighted opportunity rating. He's getting the air yards. I think one of those will will he'll connect on one of those um big plays here and especially in this matchup and uh you know i was looking at the matchup here and and you know, last week they you know cincinnati they faced um the jaguars and he had dj chark go off there right that was his 98 yards two touchdown game greg ward jr the the week before that 72 yards and touchdown i think if those guys can produce and i love dj chark so i think he's super talented but if greg ward jr can produce i think marquise can definitely produce um so, uh, you know, I like I like that matchup. He's definitely the higher floor guy, uh, um, higher uh, ceiling guy for me. So, yeah, I, I like those points. Um, and I probably rank them the same way that you rank them, Marvin, uh, CD Hollywood and then Robbie Anderson. Um, all right. My final player that I'm hype on, then we'll get into our hates. Uh, it's kind of two players in one here, but it's Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton. I mentioned earlier that. I uh, came out with that thread, basically looking at the opportunity that Evan Ingram has had. Yes, he's been disappointing. Yes, he's had a lot of drops. It's been a really tough start for the New York Giants as a whole. Daniel Jones has been disappointing. They lost Saquon Barkley. There, there's just a lot of things that factor into this. But the Dallas Cowboys defense is essentially non-existent right now. Like, there's a reason that, as you mentioned, Dak Prescott is attempting as many attempts as he is in a game each week. And it's because if he doesn't, then they lose. Like, they were down 25 points to the Falcons. They were down, I don't even know how many points they were down to. I think they were down 41 to 14 at one point to the Cleveland Browns. Like, they are getting down so much in these games that they have no choice but to air the ball out. And, I mean, it's obviously been effective. Um, the Dallas Cowboys do have one of the best offenses in the league, as we expected, with them drafting CeeDee Lamb. And because of that, I think they're just going to have a lot of um, success against the Giants' defense. And with that, I think the Giants are going to have to score on this poor defense. And those downfield threats, you know, Darius Slayton, after week one, Darius Slayton was a huge ad in redraft leagues for many people. 
and I don't think that they have really felt comfortable playing him. Like, I have him in a league. I haven't felt comfortable playing him at all in any of these matchups because I just look at, like, oh, they're playing Chicago this week. I don't know if I can really trust Darius Slayton over these other options I have. But this week, going against the Dallas Cowboys, I think there's a real shot that both Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram can have their first real, you know, big weeks where you expected them to actually perform well. Um, I don't feel like giving you comparisons for two players. So uh, I'll just ask real quick, Marvin, do you think the Giants offense as a whole, because, I mean, if their offense as a whole isn't going to succeed against Dallas, then, uh, you know, both of these players will kind of take the brunt of that. Do you think they can bounce back in this matchup despite how poorly they've played. I, I definitely do it. Uh, you know, we talk about get right games for so, for so many players. I think this is it for, for those receivers and Daniel Jones too. Um, you know, looking at strength of schedule, the, the giants actually had a really, really tough schedule by far for quarterbacks. It was the worst um, the first four weeks, but they get a really light schedule. One of the best for the rest of the season. So I think it starts with, with the giants. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it, it all it only goes as far as um, as Daniel Jones will take them. I think this is it for them, and they they will definitely improve. And um, and I, I think this is the game where we see both of those guys potentially get into the end zone, hopefully, and and um, you know just produce for for fantasy managers. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping it happens. All right, <laughs> let's move into the hate the guys we hate on. Bill, do you want to go first here and talk about your quarterback? Yeah, I'll talk about my quarterback. I hinted at it a little bit in the Marquise Brown segment. Um, Joe Burrow is the quarterback that I'm hating on this week. Burrow has been looking great for Cincinnati this year, but consensus rankings in the community has him as a top 15 quarterback this week. Uh, this, however, I feel like is a bad matchup this week. The Ravens, uh, I know people don't like to throw out games, but sometimes you have to throw out games to get a better synopsis of the full picture. And if you throw out the Mahomes game, which is more of an outlier game, the Ravens defense has only allowed 14 fancy points to the quarterback position this year. And unless Joe Burrow gets a rushing touchdown like Haskins did last week, um, I don't think he'll hit value this week. I think you have a better chance of streaming one of the uh, other quarterbacks that we're talking about throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I would much rather have him over Joe Burrow this week. I, I think we would all be in agreement. So Teddy mm-hmm. Bridgewater is a guy who's – I think I'm going to head into my uh, – players that I'm against so far um, or for this week. I, I think we uh, lost Rob on that one. Are you still <laughs> here? I'm here. <laughs> uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can now. Oh, all right. I have no idea what happened. Uh, <laughs> anywho, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I'm going to head into the guys that I'm hate on, hating on this week, and then we'll round it out with Marvin. But, uh, Hate, in a sense, obviously you're not benching him, but Josh Jacobs. Uh, I mentioned it with Darren Waller earlier, but this matchup against Kansas City is a scary one. 
Um, I think Jacobs has a, has built a decent floor for himself. Like he's he's definitely entered into that top twelve tier because of the floor. He's added the receiving game into his repertoire. He has at least three catches in each game this year, so you love to see that. But, um, you know, the past two weeks, or maybe even three, I think three weeks, you've been kind of disappointed with what he's done on the ground as the Raiders have kind of gone into tougher matchups. And this matchup is not one that's getting any easier. Um and, and if we know anything about the Kansas City Chiefs and their matchup against the Oakland Raiders defense, they're going to score points. The Oakland Raiders are going to have to score points on their own. So we will see. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs will have to have more than three receptions in order to have a great fantasy game because, I mean, he, he may be able to take advantage of the Chiefs defense through the air, but if he is kind of hitting that floor that he has been, then I think you'll just get more of the same of that. So, you know, to me, obviously, like I said, you're not benching him. It's just about adjusting expectations. Maybe you kind of throw a guy like, you know, you have Tyler Boyd and Marquise Brown on your roster. Okay. Maybe you throw in, Marquise Boyd over Tyler or Marquise Brown over Tyler Boyd, who has been performing well so far and in recent weeks, um, but specifically for that upside, whereas Boyd is much more of a floor play, floor play or you know th- those sort of ideas. So, um, Marvin, where would I mean if you had to give me a number as far as Josh Jacobs, where you think he may finish this week? Where would you kind of? place them. I know it's kind of hard. I know we don't <laughs> do rankings, but uh sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh for me, you know, it's a uh, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh definitely going to be interesting to see how how um how his efficiency comes along because uh, one of my concerns with Josh Jacobs is after his week one game where he was outstanding, uh, you know, he's one, he was, I think he led the all running backs and yards created that week, every single week, it's kind of declined for him. And so on a yards created per touch basis, he's kind of uh, gotten worse every week. And I, I don't know if that was necessarily the matchups. I think it was that as well, but um, it, it's been a little bit of a concern. So I, you know, I'm looking at his PPR rankings. It, he was RB1 the first week, then 24, 26, 30. I definitely think with this matchup, uh, hi, hopefully a higher scoring matchup, I, I think he, he might be somewhere um, around that, you know, R, high RB2, low RB1. Um, but considering he's getting, you know, a significant workload, uh, I, I think he has the upside to be a mid RB one. Um, I'm just not super excited um, until we see more from him again, more of what we've seen in week one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree completely. Basically, basically like, you know, he, he has that upside um, and it's not necessarily a matchup play, but the Raiders are a team that's going to have to commit to the run in order for Jacobs to have those great games. So mm-hmm. I don't know that you can commit to the wrong run that uh, heavily against uh, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you wanted to bring up a quarterback in this matchup, so uh, you have the floor, Marvin. Right. So my uh, one of my fades for this week um, is Tom Brady. 
Uh, so they, they play tomorrow, I believe, right? Thursday night football, the yep. Bears and and the Bucks. Um, and uh, you know, it's not looking good for their the, our receiving core right now. Um, so Godwin's out. Um, is it Scotty Miller that's out? I know OJ Howard is out Justin for the Watson. season. Justin, Justin Watson. Watson out. He's out. Um, so that that's a hit as well. Um, and Evans is questionable. Uh, so hopefully he plays, but it, it's not looking too too promising as far as his uh, receiving weapons go. And then add on to that that they're facing the Bears, who have you know really held the quarterback position in check from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and uh, you know they've slowed down um, Rivers. Not that impressive. Daniel Jones, he struggled, but then they've also slowed down Matt Ryan uh, as well. So, uh, you know, they've held them to below 14 points, I believe. So that's, uh, they, and they also haven't allowed um, more than one passing touchdown to the quarterback uh, per game. So all of that combined, plus him missing potentially Evans and and uh, the rest of his uh, top, you know, one of the best receiving cores in the league, then it just kind of, uh, comes together as a tough matchup. So, you know, you start him if you're, if you're in a super flex league because you likely don't have many other options, but I would temper my expectations uh, for this week at least. Bill, uh, your hate on the, the player that you hate on this week, Joe Burrow, or the player that Marvin's hating on this week, Tom Brady? Who would I rather start? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um. Uh... I'm full of good questions today. I probably have to say Joe Burrow because he has rushing upside. I think I would take Burrow because I feel like Tampa Bay can win this game without Tom Brady, but I feel like the Bengals are going to have to throw the ball to have any sort of... Obviously, they stand no chance, but like... They're going to have to throw the ball to be able to compete. Do you feel that same way, Marvin? Between those two, yeah, I definitely would start Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I just, uh, to Billy's point, the rushing upside uh, definitely helps. Um, so even if he has a tougher game, um, uh, you know, throwing the ball, I think the rushing upside kind of makes up for that. Yeah, I agree completely. Sorry, I'm turned around, but my my little kitten, who is like, <laughs> you're gonna come here. She, I don't know what's what's wrong with her, but very recently she's been like dying for my love, and every time she'll just walk up to me and start like meowing and won't stop <laughs> meowing until I give her some attention. So, are you gonna come here? Uh, I can show you off to everyone now. There we go, my little kitten. Oh. <laughs> I always you have can. a little kitten around. It seems. Um. So, all right. Uh. So, Bill. It's your turn here. You want to head in your running back that you're uh, hating on this week? Yeah, the running back that I'm hating on this week is Melvin Gordon from the Denver Broncos on the other side of the ball. Um, a lot of people will be excited with the production from Melvin Gordon last week. He had a season-high 107 yards and two touchdowns. The projections on all across the websites would make you want to start him in your flex or as RB2 this week. But I would bench him, personally, in my opinion. I would get ahead of the curve before you get burned. Phillips Lindsley is back this week, and he will be splitting snaps with Melvin Gordon. And a lot of people kind of get Philip Lindsley confused. They think that he's a pass-catching back. But he's actually really used more on the ground than uh, people kind of really give him credit for. And uh, the Patriots are a bad matchup as well, as they allow the seventh 
fewest fancy points per game to the RB position and only have allowed one touchdown so far this year. So I feel like we're about to see a down day for Melvin Gordon. So get ahead of that curve before you put him in your flex. Yeah. Um, I have not had fun <laughs> in recent weeks with Melvin Gordon. I made a bet with Trey at FF Superflex Guru against Melvin Gordon. He barely beat me because of a perfectly thrown touchdown. <laughs> Last week, I did say to play him, and he, he came through. So uh, hopefully, uh, he will come through for you this week with your uh, spitting hatred, as you've so uh, so put it, for him this week. Um, obviously, sarcasm, because people are desperate for running backs, and if you are desperate for running backs, you're, you're probably going to be forced to play him. Um, but Bill... He's right behind Jarek McKinnon right now in uh, fantasy scoring. Raheem Mostert is looking like he's going to play this week. So would you rather play Melvin Gordon uh, going up against the Patriots, or would you rather play Raheem Mostert likely taking a back seat going up against the Dolphins? Um... I would not play Raheem Mostert this week, even though it's a juicy matchup. So I'd probably have to go with Melvin Gordon. Did I say Raheem Mostert? I meant Jarek McKinnon. I would probably rather play Jarek McKinnon than Melvin Gordon from the aspect of regardless if Raheem Mostert comes back this week or not. This Miami Dolphins defense is really depleted, and I feel like uh, Jarek McKinnon could definitely punch in a touchdown and definitely get that score and for your fantasy teams, I don't really like to predict touchdowns, but uh, Jared McKinnon has been looking absolutely electric flying uh, these last couple of weeks for the 49ers. And I don't think that they'll go away from him completely. He's more of a gadget type of player, a type of player that uh, uh, seeds 40% in a RB committee or something like that. And that's all he really needs to do. If you have that type of athleticism and speed, all you really need to see 40% of the carries or snaps in this matchup, and he should be able to get a score in. Uh, a little bit of a longer answer, but that's the reason why. That's fine. Uh, Marvin, do you agree? Um, I think so. I, I like uh, that uh, rushing offense a little more um, in the in the Niners. Um, so uh, I, I do think McKinnon has that upside. Uh, obviously, the concern with Gordon is with Lindsey coming back, what are you going to do with that workload? And over the last couple of weeks, I think that's kind of how he's produced or in some, you know, he hasn't been the surefire RB one or, or even RB two necessarily, but he's gotten the volume. So that's, uh, that's what saved him. And if Lindsay is, is coming back and we know Lindsay's efficient, um, it's going to be more of a split and it's going to be hard trusting Gordon at all. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Um, one, yeah, you could definitely bank on the, the, volume that Gordon has had recently and uh, who knows how much of a wrench Philip Lindsay will throw into that exactly um, so personally I don't even know how I feel about this player I feel like it's not a terrible matchup but I am not looking to play Le'Veon Bell this week New York Jets going up against the Arizona Cardinals which on paper you know, it looks tough. The Cardinals' defense has definitely looked improved from last season. However, you look at the matchups that they've been in, you know, Detroit, who kind of, eh, I mean, like, who's their real running back? They don't really have uh, themselves committed 
to anyone at the point at this point. Um, San Francisco week one, they still they they were not like. I think that's the one matchup that they were uh, really beat um, where it comes to the running back position. And then besides that, to this point, they've uh, really only been challenged by Washington, who is splitting work still between um, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson, and then Carolina last week, Mike Davis, Reggie Bonifon were actually pretty decent. Um, my point against Le'Veon Bell is not that he's a bad player or he won't get the workload or anything, but we saw the injury that he went down with, and it was just three weeks ago. It's hard for me to be excited to put him back into the lineup knowing that that re-injury risk is still there. And we've seen that happen like Julio Jones this past week. The hamstring injury didn't seem like something too much to be worried about. He missed a week in order to kind of ensure that he wouldn't, you know, be risking coming back too soon. And and he still came back too soon. So I I just think it's really risky to trust Le'Veon Bell because you're likely going to play him as an RB2 if you have him. And uh, I would prefer to wait a week. I think it's much safer that way. Um, He's a good volume play when he's healthy, but you want to make sure he's healthy when you get him out there in that lineup. Uh, Billy, how do you feel about Le'Veon Bell? I absolutely will agree with that. Um, I think the biggest concern about Le'Veon Bell this week is, I don't know if you guys seen this uh, flipping around today, but um, Sam Darnold isn't playing this week. Yeah, no. So. If Sam Darnold is not playing this week and he's out and Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback for the Jets, that fares very negatively for Le'Veon Bell because I feel like one of the upsides of Le'Veon Bell is uh, being a volume back and get it done in the passing game. And Sammy Darnold likes to throw little check downs and stuff like that across through the middle through uh, Crowder, Jeff Smith, and random names we never heard of. But um, with Joe Flacco out there, um, not doubting Joe, but he's more of a deep ball type of quarterback that takes his shots, kind of like a uh, just hikes it. Maybe he'll throw like a 15-yard route or something like that. But I don't think he's really going to be looking for Le'Veon Bell for dump-offs and stuff like that. Um, maybe if you guys are reading, uh, hearing this and you guys feel differently, comment. But um, I definitely – feel like Sam Darnold being out this week is really going to negatively affect Le'Veon Bell. How do you guys feel about that this week? I agree somewhat. I just feel like Joe Flacco, I don't know. He's he's obviously not the quarterback he used to be. So I, I feel like maybe he would, you know, especially in the system that is kind of built to take advantage of checkdowns, maybe he would uh, be, play a little different and take advantage. Um, still hasn't changed my opinion. Uh, regardless, but eh, we'll, we'll have to see. Marvin, um, what are your thoughts kind of in general on uh, the New York Jets situation, Le'Veon Bell, this week? I mean, as long as Adam Gase is there, it's, I'm not going to feel <laughs> too good about that offense at all. Um, Hopefully not much longer. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, someone's commenting in saying that uh, going forward, Bell has a good matchup. So I definitely think, you know, Bell, if he gets the volume... Um, then I think we 
he he can be a, a great fancy running back, especially if they if they uh, use him in the passing game. Um, yeah. But we haven't seen much of that. Uh, at least you know we only had week one really to to gauge, and that wasn't even enough. So until I agree, I think for this week it's hard to play him. You play him if you have been stashing him, um, and he's your RB two. You got to play him, but I'm not going to be too excited. Um, yeah, and um, for the result. I think he'll get the volume. He'll be successful. He'll succeed in those matchups. Um, but, you know, th- there's just this thing about being so eager, like, yes, this guy's finally back from injury. I'm so yeah. ready to play him. He's going to be great. And then he he gets re-injured. And it always happens with these soft tissue injuries. So that's my only fear with Le'Veon Bell. Like, if it, if it was like a, I don't know, a break or a sprain, I wouldn't be scared at all to, to put him back into my lineup, even mm-hmm. without Sam Darnold. Like, obviously, no Sam Darnold. I would adjust my expectations a little bit, and I would mm-hmm. lower them. But I don't believe that I would be scared away from Le'Veon Bell in this matchup. Um, mm-hmm. Marvin, do you want to head into a uh, wide receiver that you're hating on this week? Yeah, so this one, uh, not necessarily a matchup play, but it's A.J. Green. Uh, and, uh, his, you know, I believe they, uh, his matchup, I think it's against the, the Ravens, if I remember yep. correctly. Um, so that's, uh, you know, other than the game against, um, against, uh, Pat Mahomes, they have been, uh, decent against the, the wide receiver position, but more so than that really is that the fact that AJ Green is, he's getting the volume, you know, uh, wide receiver 10 targets, wide receiver three in air yards. Um, all the volume stats point to what, what he could be, but he's underperformed. Um, you know, one of the worst fancy points over expected wide receivers uh, this season. Um, and, and I think it's just the connection with Joe Burrow just hasn't really been there. It, it just seems like it's T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd um, that will be fancy relevant. Um, so it, it's hard for me to trust them. I, if I have them and I do have him in one redraft league, I'm not starting him. I might even put in, you know, Russell Gage. I'll put in over him. Um, it's just, it's you know, you you put him in there and you see all these targets, but nothing's happening. Um, so I, until I see something, I think I'll have to to bench him for now and, and fade him. What do you it's guys funny. think? It's funny you say that. I literally just saw in a redraft league that I'm in today a trade of AJ Green for Russell Gage straight up. And uh, mm-hmm. I looked at it and was like, well, that's, you know, it's a trade. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Bill, I mean, I think we, we've we kind of written off AJ Green here on the podcast for the past few weeks, I think, right? Yeah, man. Uh, if I don't know how long Marv has been watching our podcast or even watches our podcast, but uh, AJ Green was on my hate list last week and for those exact reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been stashing T Higgins in redraft leagues because, you know, the schedule this week, not something to like, not something to even consider playing T Higgins. Um, even though I think Burrow will pass the ball a lot and there will be opportunity, maybe even in garbage time, but um, still not, not even close to considering, but the future schedule for the Bengals I think opens up a little bit off the top of my head I don't remember it um, but I can take a quick peek into it but yeah basically um, so this week they obviously as I mentioned 
mentioned played the Baltimore Ravens um, next play, next week, next Browns and Titans, both of whom have been a little tougher uh, to this point. And then the Steelers. So those are matchups that you really don't want to play. But then you get four weeks in a row, Washington, which is eh, middle of the road. Um, then the New York Giants, Miami Dolphins, Dallas Cowboys. So those are weeks where I'm more so looking forward to playing T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow is is going to be a good streamer to have in those weeks too, but not yet. We're getting ahead of ourselves because we're talking about week five. And speaking of week five, the final player that you're hating on this week, Billy. Um, the final player that I'm hitting on this week is McCole Hardman from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, one of the things that we have really uh, talked about on this episode is just opportunities for certain players at certain positions. And in deeper leagues, a lot of people may be box score watching this one and want to play McCole Hardman in as a flex position in those deep flex leagues. But you got to follow the Chiefs game scripts. Uh, Hardman receiving eight to 12 targets over the last two games with two touchdowns. People are going to definitely start him. But I feel like if you follow his snap counts. He's only played in 45% of the team snap so far this year, which is still behind Demarcus Robinson's 52% this year. And if Hardman doesn't score a touchdown in those last two weeks, he's absolutely burned you. And a lot of people are going to want to play him against the Raiders this week. So I would fade McCole Hardman. Yeah. Um, I was actually in the position myself of considering playing McCole Hardman. Um, just kind of for upside, see see what happens. But uh, I like the points that you brought up, and um, you know, it, it's I he has the as great of a potential of anyone in the NFL to score a touchdown on one specific touch. But it's hard to bet on that, especially at the wide receiver position, where mm-hmm. you know that's not necessarily what you hope for. There's plenty of guys on the waiver wire who you can almost bank on are going to see at least five targets. Um, Marvin, uh, if you, <laughs> I don't know if you were kind of desperate for upside, uh, I want to give you like a fair comparison. Cause obviously <laughs> Henry Ruggs is not going to play this week. Hollywood Brown. It's not even close. Um, yeah. Scotty Miller, let's say. Tampa Bay going up against Chicago. Him or McCole Hardman? Ah, uh, gosh, I. It, God, I mean, I am so good. I just want to say, I'm so good tonight. Like tonight, more than any other, with these these questions of players who are like this close to each other. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like I'm hitting tonight, so I'm proud of myself. No, you are. This is a tough one. Um, just. Uh, because if we look at the matchups, I think um, I guess I'd prefer McCole Hardman there. But if if Evans is out, I think they got to throw to someone. So it's it's gonna it might be Scotty Miller, and and he's gonna be the guy that racks up all the receptions and yards, or, or a majority of them. Um, and I, I think to Billy's point, I, you know, you you would be chasing points if you went with McCole Hardman. Just looking at his snap count, I mean, it's. Uh, he's not on the field as much as you'd like. And until that happens, it's hard to trust him. And without those touchdowns, it's hard to take touchdowns away because he's got the upside to take it to the house at any point. But um, if he doesn't, um, 
get those touchdowns in, then yeah, you're very disappointed. So I think I'd probably go with Scotty Miller, but that, I mean, that's another really good comparison where uh, you go with upside and you, mm-hmm. that'd be McColl. But if it's the floor, I think it's Scotty. Bill? Um, I would probably have to go with Scotty Miller. If, um, cause I don't think, um, Chris Godwin's playing this week. I really don't think Godwin's so. definitely not. I don't he's know out. that he was ruled out, but he's, yeah, but I don't think he's playing. He's like a, yeah, he's not playing. Um, and then, uh, Justin Watson's out this week too. Yeah. And OJ Howard just got put on the IR too. So Mike Evans also might leagues, not play. So. Yeah. Mike Evans might not play in deeper mm-hmm. leagues. I would even add uh Cameron Bright to your bench. Maybe mm-hmm. you hit on a uh, late round tight end in deeper yeah. dynasty leagues, but um, yeah, dude, I would probably have to go Scotty Miller just for the target upside share. Yeah. I, I can't argue that. Um, moving on here. Final player that I am sort of against this week. I mean, you're probably playing him, but it's kind of, you know, again, adjusting expectations. Odell Beckham Jr., after a huge week against the Dallas Cowboys and their non-existent defense, now the Cleveland Browns are playing the Indianapolis Colts, who have shown to be one of the better defenses in the NFL to this point in the season. Now the Indianapolis Colts have not had a very tough schedule to this point. But, uh, I, I, you know, you've seen Odell perform in these matchups where the defense that they're going up against is, you know, susceptible and that Odell can take advantage. But you haven't se- seen him perform in these matchups where, you know, you would hope that Odell can overcome the matchup. He's, he's just seemingly not that player anymore. It's not that he has lost a step. It's that the offense doesn't need him to do that. Baker is, you know, just kind of below average, in my opinion. Bill, you may hate me for saying that. But, um, you know, I I just think this – I think Odell is kind of getting to the point where we are going to be able to predict – when we can play Odell Beckham, if it's a good matchup on defense, you can play Odell Beckham. If it's not a good matchup, be scared. And, uh, you know, Odell can definitely be started as, you know, the sort of upside that he has on a weekly basis. But um, you should definitely adjust your expectations because he's not going to be the, you know, elite wide receiver one that he has been in years past. Um, Marvin, what are you thinking on Odell this week as they go to play Indy? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the, the Colts defense is, has been just one of the best, if not the best. Um, so it, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, like you said, it, uh, you know, with Odell, it, it, it's hard to trust him in some of those tougher matchups. And he just coming off, uh, you know, a, an amazing game. Um, I, I always, I thought actually after this game, this would be the perfect opportunity to trade him at his highest. Um, mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily know if you're going to get this type of game every single week. And I don't know if this is, um, uh, going to be a sign of, of things to come for him. So I, I, I agree with the hesitation on your end. I'm not sure if I feel necessarily confident, but once again, you drafted him, I don't know, in the fourth round and he's your wide receiver too. So you have to play him, but uh, you know, as, 
as we've already said with some of these guys, you're not necessarily benching them, but you just got to temper your expectations. Yeah. Uh, question for you, Marvin. Guy you love this week, Justin Jefferson versus Odell Beckham. Who are you playing? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know the answer. I got to go with Justin Jefferson, just the matchup and the volume that's going to be there. Uh, I think you, I feel like I'm chasing points here, but I truly think I love just, I love Justin Jefferson coming into the NFL. I think we're seeing what he's capable of. Um, and it's maybe just the the product of that offense having to throw the ball a, a ton. And, and, you know, we, we know the Browns like to run the ball and that's kind of their, their, um, that's the center of their offense. It's the run game. So, um, Gosh, that's why I lean Justin Jefferson. I think those guys are very close. Again, you just keep on giving us these tough decisions here. Um, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> uh, Bill, your ideas on that? Justin Jefferson versus Odell Beckham? Um, I would probably have to side with Odell just from the aspect of um, Odell's always live to catch a touchdown and pay off his value but um i feel like uh odell was on my love week last week uh he was on my love list where the wide receiver position deservedly so and i think that was a product more of the dallas's defense rather than the uh browns offense and the browns offense is really unpredictable to how they're going to score fancy points so i don't really want to take parts of odell this week don't get that confused of saying i want to play odell because I picked him over Justin Jefferson. If you say so, <laughs> if you say so, do you want <laughs> Bill? Do you want to take a Justin Jefferson versus Odell Beckham bet? Um, I'll pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, no, all right, letting my week ride on Odell, man. That was last <laughs> week. I, uh, if you follow me on Twitter. I posted on Sunday morning, an hour before the lock. Um, it was. I wish I correlated it the right way, but I was on the Dallas stack. I had uh, Prescott and Cooper, but I missed out on CD Lamb. But I had Odell running it back the other way, and I tweeted out the picture of him in Dallas catching the uh, legendary catch that started off his football career. So I think that was product more of the uh, matchup than anything. But um, I, yeah. I'll pass on that bet, though, Rob. Listen, uh a good man, a, a knowledgeable man picks his bets wisely. So I, uh, I have to give you some props on that. All right, Marvin, you want to close us out with your final player that you are hating on this week? Yeah. Um, to, so to round it out, um, for me, it's Mike Gesicki, um, Miami Dolphins tight end, uh, who hasn't necessarily been, uh, you know, the most uh, productive. Um, you know, he had that one great week. Um, and uh, looking it up right now, I think it was uh, week week two where he had 130 receiving yards and a touchdown. But I think his matchup here is just not um, not ideal necessarily. The 49ers have given up the second uh, least fancy points to tight ends. Um, they haven't allowed a single touchdown to any tight end this season. Um, you know, they shut down Ingram, uh, three receptions to 20 for 22 yards. They shut down Zach Ertz last week. Um, so, but he did get into the end zone, I believe, Zach Ertz. So. Um, you know, that's that there's always a chance Kasiki gets into the end zone, but if the yards and the receptions aren't there, you might be looking at a, I don't know, like a seven point week, which isn't necessarily exciting. Um, and so to me, it's just, uh, it's just a, a fade. Um, and he's one of those guys where I, I think you can almost stream him. So if you can grab someone else, a better matchup, um, it, 
you know, Hunter Henry's not going to be on the the waiver wire. I'm trying to think of someone else, but if you can grab someone with a better matchup, like I think Eric Ebron, you know, if they if they play, I think that he has a good matchup. Uh, plug him in. It's just because Gasicki is is hard to trust for me. Kind of seeing that um, the one game's not enough for me to think that he's just a every week starter after kind of the disappointing um, games we've seen over the last four weeks. Um. What's his name? Zach Ertz uh, did not score a touchdown last week. He had four catches for nine yards. So that's uh, even very good. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Not not good. Uh, The as you mentioned, Pittsburgh Steelers this week, they play the Philadelphia Eagles. So I would much rather play Eric Ebron this week than Mike Gesicki. So I, I, I like that argument. I like that point. Billy. If you had to choose between Eric Ebron and Mike Gesicki, uh, do you feel so committed to Gesicki to stay the course? Um, do you have – did I, like, share my DFS sheet with you or something like that? Because uh, Eric <laughs> Ebron's one of my sleeper plays this week. Um, I really uh, like Eric right. Ebron this yeah. week. He's uh, one of my favorite pay-down tight ends this week because it's just mm-hmm. a really good game script. Uh, depending on if Deontay Johnson plays or not, it mm-hmm. would depend on how much I'm going to really play Eric Ebron. But um, I think he scores a touchdown this week. I, yeah, I would not be surprised. The Eagles have been really, really, really bad against uh, tight ends this year, even though it's still early in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they've been really, really, really bad in general. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, again, Marvin – Thanks so much for coming on the show. You want to give a final sort of uh, little shout to your Twitter, anything else you got going on? Yeah. Hey, th- thank you guys so much for having me. really appreciate it. fun just talking football with you guys. Um, and you already mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Marvin E. Uh, you guys can always feel free to interact with me there, DM me. Um, and, and I'm always happy to talk football um, um, any time of the day. Um, so, uh, as far as work goes, I you know I I write, so I'm um, I'm a contributor for Dynasty Nerds and the Fantasy Footballers. I come out with a weekly article for the Fantasy Footballers, uh, which is the Dynasty Report, just recapping some of the risers and fallers for um, for the Dynasty landscape. And that actually came out today, so if, uh, feel free to check that out on my profile. Um, but otherwise, you can always catch me on Twitter, uh, posting random stats here and there. <laughs> Respect that, uh, Billy. Obviously, you're going to be posting your DFS content as the week goes along on your Twitter at Getting Bills. Anything else you want to shout out? Um, I want to shout out Pub Sports Radio Friday, trying to find a special guest for Friday. So we'll figure it out and go from there. Um, Marvin, you might get a little text in your DMs. Best of luck with that, Billy. And of course, you can follow me at Fantasy Force FB. You can follow the show at Dynasty Force Podcast. And check us out on all major streaming platforms. Before we get out of here, Billy and I have a little survivor pool that we have been working on throughout this year and sharing with the viewers slash listeners. To this point, Billy is 3-1 on the season. Last week, he took the Seattle Seahawks. Who? Oh, I'm sorry. He took the Los Angeles Rams. I have those logos mixed up. It threw me off. But he took the Los Angeles Rams against the New York Giants, who won to put him at 3-1 this week. He will be taking the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
I'm hoping that the Eagles win for once so that I can hopefully tie Billy uh, as I'm sitting one uh, one spot below him. Curse the Colts, who somehow lost to the Jaguars in week one for no reason. But anywho, um, this week I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. They're going up against the New York Giants. This is a team that should be competing for the division, so if they can't defeat an 0-4 team who should be at the bottom of, divi- bottom of the division, uh, that's very concerning for them. So, as a team that needs a win and uh, you know can't afford to not win this week, um, I, I will definitely take them in this, uh, this matchup in the Survivor Pools. And I am the one that took the Seattle Seahawks last week against the Miami Dolphins, who got the dub. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to the Dynasty Force podcast. We went long today. Well, long just means more content. So, you know, <laughs> can't complain. And uh, I enjoyed running the marathon here with you guys. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week for another episode of the Dynasty Force podcast.